On today's episode of the Old Souls Football Podcast, Neil and I go over one of the biggest blunders in the NFL's history, Drew Brees' free agency in 2006. What happens if Miami passes him on the physical and he signs there? What happens to the Saints? Who else could have had him? And why was he available? All that, next. 2006. Taylor Swift debuts her number one song, Tim McGraw. Not confusing at all. It's called Tim McGraw, even though Tim McGraw was a famous country artist. So when people go up to you and ask, have you heard Tim McGraw? Yes, I've heard Tim McGraw. Yeah, right. But they're talking about Taylor Swift. And that was 2006. It's been 18 years and we're still talking about her. Yeah. And she's bigger now than ever. Yes. She's taken <laughs> over. She is. She's going to win the Super Bowl. Who's a bigger person? Is it her or like in terms of like celebrities, is it her or like Trump? Who's like more famous? I heard, uh, man. That's close. I, I'd say it's pretty damn close. Honestly, I wouldn't, I, I might even say like she is because, you know, like there's probably like little girl. Well, I mean, there's, you could say the same thing about there's men in Russia or, or, Kazakhstan yeah. or whatever that know who Trump is. They but, all listen to Swift. Yeah, but they all listen to Swift. Yeah. Damn, I don't know. That's a good one. Florida wins their first national championship in college basketball. Back-to-back mm-hmm. seasons. They win in 07 again. Yeah. Um, great team. Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer, Al Horford, who still plays for the Celtics. Yeah. He's like 45 years old at this point. <laughs> LeBron makes his first championship or his first NBA finals appearance for the Cavaliers in it 06. didn't go good at all for him. Heck, he made it. He, I mean, he was impressive. Yeah, uh, he was. No doubt. Talladega Nights hits the theaters, one of Will Ferrell's best movies. Um, we've discussed this before, but, you know, probably ranks just behind like old school. I love Step Brothers as well. Yeah, Step Brothers is definitely up there. The NHL, they're in the middle of their, you know, first season since their lockout trying to regain popularity so that's kind of the the scene of 2006 of where we are kind of not just in the sports world but in the world in general the other big story in sports that we haven't mentioned yet is free agency in the nfl and one of those teams or a bunch of teams need quarterback um and either in free agency or in the draft one of those teams is the miami dolphins the Miami Dolphins in 06, well, to, to give their story properly, we have to kind of go back a couple years before that. Uh, 2004, the end of the day launched that era. It ended very poorly. It started out okay. Uh, Juan said had a couple strong teams, a couple playoff teams early on, 2000, 2001. 02, 03, we talked about 02 last week, or that Dolphins team from 02. Good teams, but didn't make the playoffs. And then 04, the bottom just fell out entirely. Ricky Williams left the NFL for his own uh, personal endeavors. Um, I smoking suppose, weed. Smoking weed, smoking doobies. Um, so, um, in a way, you couldn't blame him. Uh, that ran him into the ground, like, brutally. I mean, he all he did was uh, of course that's what Dave wants that believed in um, I have some stats for you so in in 2003 393 or 200 uh, 392 carries and in 2002 he had 383 oh my god and like so that's like guy, near, nearly 800 touches in two years 
Oh, those were just carries. I didn't even count the receptions or anything. Yeah, oh yeah. That, I mean, that's a part of it though. I mean, he it, was just getting absolutely wailed on. Yeah, just constantly giving Ricky the ball. Yeah, you couldn't blame him because they didn't they lost their workhorse. You know, Jay Fiedler uh is not the guy that you are going to rely on to be your franchise savior at quarterback. And and it was kind of a fault of Wanstead. He didn't really ever pursue better quarterbacks. He was fine with a quarterback that didn't turn over the ball and a running game and a defense that could win him games. But if, as we all know, that that gives that can win you games. It's only going to get you to a certain point, though. So 04, they go one and eight to start the season. Wanstead gets canned. And he ends up going to Pitt, and he's there for a few years. But anyways, uh, Miami, going into 05, goes to the college rank. They went and signed, um, or hired, I should say, Nick Saban to be their new head coach. Saban had been in the NFL in the early 90s. I, I actually wonder how many young kids today really know Nick Saban was in the NFL um at all and not even just the two different stents Uh, i mean i feel like if you watch any nfl network or if you spend enough time on youtube you'll see videos about the 94 browns yeah i'd say so um but i mean my favorite coach of those three is of of that staff it's not saban or belichick who is it jim schwartz oh no (laughs) the most entertainment the, the no the most entertaining football coach of all time in terms of the brand of football that he plays Kirk Ferentz oh yeah man if you love special teams <laughs> oh we love it defense. we are we are huge Iowa Hawkeye supporters on the old souls podcast yeah um, We're, I'm joking because yes, Iowa it's kind like of. watching paint dry a little bit <laughs> yeah so Saban had been with the Browns in the early 90s and then he went to Michigan State uh, he was there for a few years. He did all right there. I mean, considering like there was some big dogs in the Big Ten at the time. Like it's not like it is nowadays where the SEC rules all. I mean, yep. Penn State had just won a national championship in '94. One was, of those big dogs was Drew Brees. Actually, he was ironically, and Penn. So Penn State won in '94. Ohio State was a win away from a national championship opportunity in 95 and 96 until big blue beat them in 97, Michigan won um, the last time they won until about three weeks ago. And so, yeah, so it was difficult there, but he, he held his own. He ended up going to LSU, had success there nearly right away. His second year, they won the sec title. They won the sugar bowl against uh, U of I Illinois. And his fourth year, they won the BCS national championship. Uh, he actually almost flipped to the NFL after that national title when the, the Bears had the opportunity to hire him, and they ended up going with Lovey Smith. That's that's also kind of a what if. What would have happened if if they did go with Saban? But anyways, yeah. y'all uh, Saban, probably don't make y'all probably don't make the Super Bowl in 06. No, but certainly not. And honestly, you like make, you probably made the Super Bowl in 2008, 2009. I could see that. Possibly, but I I do I don't know like how he would have like worked with a guy like Erlacher. I feel like he would have made him a dominant player. He would have, but like I personality wise, yeah. um, I don't know if they would have meshed well because Erlacher could be difficult. But yeah, who yeah, nobody knows for sure. So we went back to LSU for the 04 season and then to come back in 05. 
to the NFL with the Miami Dolphins. It didn't get started off great for them uh, in 05. The first three months of the year, they were three and seven. Um, he looked a little bit over his head. He was able to get like the likes of Jason Taylor to to be a stand-up edge rusher, which was like a little bit of a career renaissance for Jason Taylor. Not that he needed it. It's what he ended up doing for the rest of his career was standing up and rushing from that position. I think um, it prolonged his career a little bit. It, it probably did. It's uh, so he, I guess, you know, he obviously he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, and then in 05, they finished on a six game win streak. So they were going into that offseason feeling good, uh, very similar to, you know, say the likes of Detroit last year. Um, Detroit finished, I think, on like a six game. Uh, it wasn't six. I think they won like six of seven. Green Bay had a great finish to the season this year after a rocky start. There's usually one team every year. It seems like it anyways. Maybe I'm maybe recency bias is kicking in. No, but, I, I remember the O2 Panthers were like that. So yeah, they finished seven and nine, but I want to say they won like four of their last five, five of their last six or something yeah. like that. And then they went to the Super Bowl the following year. Uh, Momentum that, is a real thing. It is. Uh, the 83 Bears were like that. I know they they won like five of their last six to finish eight and eight in 83. They ended up mm -hmm. winning the division in 84. Obviously, the yep. Super Bowl in 85. So every year, it seems like there's one team that they finish on a really strong note. They carry that momentum into the offseason. They're the hot pick. Everybody um, is saying, oh, this could be the team that, you know, they struggled at the beginning of last year, but they look like they could be a playoff team for next year. And they still had to need a quarterback. The Dolphins did. They had Gus yep. Ferrat, who wasn't good. He was serviceable. He wasn't good. We, we've joked before, most known at that point for headbutting the wall at FedEx uh, Field or Stadium or whatever the hell they called it. He headbutted the damn wall. <laughs> like, like <laughs> and he I got mean, a concussion from it too, didn't he? Yeah, I think it knocked him out of the game. Oh my god! So it it uh, when that's your number one kind of you draw, have to get you have to get a new quarterback. <laughs> but to as you just said, the number one takeaway that I want anyone on this that's listening, all five people that are probably listening to this podcast, <laughs> and the one I'm guy going, in Belgium. Yes, we have a <laughs> we're international, baby. <laughs> I'm Mister Worldwide. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. But anyway, the number one takeaway of this podcast is the fact that Nick Saban took a team with Gus Farad while he was in the same division with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady yeah. at 9-7. and seven. So when people say that Nick Saban sucked in the NFL, no. Nick Saban was really good. It was a complicated like, issue. In Nick all Saban never. Nick Saban never failed anywhere. Yeah, he, Nick Saban. He he was good in college. He was good in the pros. He was good anywhere he went. And the reason why he didn't have success with the Dolphins like he did with Alabama, with LSU, Michigan State, is he didn't have his quarterback. And that's the number one thing you have to have to win in the NFL. And the opportunity was there after the 05 season because the likes of Drew Brees was about to hit free agency. Yeah, and Drew Brees was like this. I, I think a lot of people have hindsight bias 
with Drew Brees because obviously it worked out really well in New Orleans. You know, Hall of Fame career put up a bunch of numbers. We'll get to that in a second. But I don't think it was as slam dunk of a free agent acquisition as everybody makes it out to be now. Like he yeah. wasn't at, like everybody says, oh, you're signing this perennial all pro player. I'm like, number one, if he were as good as he turned out in New Orleans, the Chargers trade Phillip Rivers. They don't let Breeze go. Yeah. No, so they probably don't even the, fucking draft Philip Rivers, probably. Yeah. Drew Brees, really great college profile, to be honest with you. The only thing that he didn't have is size. He's not a super big guy, but he was a four-year starter at Purdue. His stats were incredible. 81 touchdowns, 41 picks, almost 11,000 passing yards. A bunch of all, 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 all Big Ten teams was like third in the Heisman voting in 2000. Uh, only guys he was behind were Chris Winkie and Josh Heupel and Josh Heupel. You might recognize that name from, yeah. uh, you know, being a Tennessee head coach now actually led Oklahoma to the national championship that season, but he finished ahead of people like Ladanian Tomlinson, Michael Vick and Santana Moss, all really good pros. So Drew Brees is total stud at Purdue basically took a program. That's what would you say? Purdue is like low tier big 10. Yeah, like Michigan, Ohio State are like the upper tier, right? Yeah, Wisconsin, uh, I mean, Penn State are like upper mid. Yeah, and, and but even uh, besides uh, just talking about that Purdue team, you know, credit to Joe Tiller too. Joe Tiller brought basketball on grass from Wyoming to yeah. Purdue. I mean, they had a really fun offense. And Breeze um, was the point guard. And Breeze was the point guard. Um, they had, everything was four or five wide. Just sling the ball around. Um, it was it wasn't Big Ten football by any stretch of the imagination, no. but that's what was so unique about it. And honestly, the, the fact that it worked was was crazy. It honestly felt like when I watched I, I watched the Purdue Michigan game from '99, the Tom Brady versus Drew Brees game. Yeah, and Brady only played the first half, really. So honestly, it felt like I was watching a college offense from like 2012. 2013 where they were spreading out it looked completely foreign to Mm -hmm. but breeze had you know awesome accuracy i was just watching like great pocket presence no moment seemed too big for him even though they were playing well above their competition and they ended up losing the game pretty handily but he was playing well above his competition but the fact that he didn't go first round kind of shocks me you could see drew breeze that we know on the video Yeah, he's awesome. And maybe it's the black and gold of Purdue that just kind of yeah sets in. Maybe that's what I saw. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, yeah. He's the first pick of the second round. So back then, there's only 31 teams. So he was technically a second-round pick, 32nd overall. He was picked two years after the Chargers took Ryan Leaf, number two in the 98 draft. And that draft had Peyton Manning in it. So really sucks for the Chargers because you just you missed out on Peyton Manning. And you draft a total disaster. Leaf was just awful from the start. And it started with him skipping his rookie symposium. Like oh. you could tell from the, that you could tell the immaturity was there from like the very beginning with this guy skipped that. And then I think he had a game against Kansas city where he was coming off an injury. He was actually hospitalized with that injury. He had, and just listen to this stat line for a second. It is an amazing stat line. I've never seen really anything like it in my years. I've been watching football nearly 25 years at this point. The Chargers 
lose this game in Kansas City. Ryan okay. Lee's stat line. One for 15. Oh, boy. That's a... completed one pass for four yards. Oh, Christ. Son of cracker. Two interceptions, two yeah. sacks. And the Chargers end up with minus 17 net passing yards. His EPA per play was probably like negative five per yeah, play. Like, <laughs> in my little footnotes here, I basically said the only way it would be worse is if you put me back there. <laughs> yeah. And I have no. You know, it, it wouldn't have been as worse because you wouldn't have gotten to 14 incompletions. You would have been injured. Yeah, my uh, my yeah. ass would have like broken my leg already. I'd be I'd be at the hospital. Yeah, uh, but you would have completed a pass. Yeah, you would have been one of ten instead of one of fifteen. Yeah, I'm better at watching <laughs> football than playing it, man. I'll tell you that. You know, after that game, confronts a reporter. Everybody's seen the clip of him yelling at San Diego Union Tribune. Reporter Jay Posner yells at him, "Knock it off!" This is all in his like rookie season. Really great start for this guy. 99, he tears his labrum in training camp. So this guy has like no mental toughness. He's already a bust. Everybody knows it. He wasn't a good teammate. He wasn't good at football. Total disaster. So 2000, Jim Harbaugh becomes the starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or, uh, or 99, Jim Harbaugh starts. Future head coaches, the, the Chargers. Yeah. yeah, so 99, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is the coach in 2000. Leave gets one more shot. He goes one and eight, 11 touchdowns, 18 picks. Finish his career four and fourteen. It's done. One of the worst NFL draft picks of all time. Bobby Beathard's reputation, his Hall of Fame candidacy, are probably negatively affected by that pick because he built one of the great teams of all time with the '80s and '90s Redskins. Mm-hmm. Completely undone. He even built this Chargers team in the '90s. In the mid '90s. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Completely undone, all because of one pick. Right. So. Drew Brees is not going into a healthy situation because when you when you have a pick like that, it's like stage four cancer. This team is in disarray at this yeah. point. Yeah, you know, Beathard's gone. Drew Brees comes in. He's picked, like I said, he's second pick or first pick of the second round. Excuse me. Some good players were in that draft. That was the Michael Vick class. Uh, I would say there's probably 10, 15 pro bowlers. Not pro bowlers, but like pro bowl alternates at some point. Yeah. You had guys like Ladanian Tomlinson, Hall of Fame, Richard Seymour, Hall of Fame, um, and then Santana Moss, Casey Hampton, Deuce McAllister, Reggie Wayne, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Todd Heap, Kyle Vandenbosch, Algie Crumpler, Chad Ochocinco, Chris Jenkins, Matt Light, Chris Chambers, Travis Henry, Sean Rogers, Adrian Wilson, Steve Smith Sr., who could make the Hall of Fame possibly? We'll see. Yeah. Um, Rudy Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada. So that's a really, really good draft class. Yeah, a lot of good Bengals in there. Yeah, and uh, you could do a whole podcast on how bad the 90s Bengals were, but they finally got a draft class right with this. Yeah. Uh, with some late pick receivers. But even Rudy Johnson had a hell of a, you know, four or five years. Yeah. Um, Breeze, his rookie season, he throws 27 passes. So we basically call that a red shirt. He, you know, yeah. he didn't do anything. Doug Flutie's the starter. Doug Flutie's in between Buffalo, where he was the starter, uh, and lost his job to Rob Johnson, which I don't know if he should have. And then, you know, he's on his, like, he's at the back, very back end of his career at that point. He had been in almost 20 years as a pro, played in the USFL. Kind of a transition year for the Chargers, no one. 
2002, Drew Brees takes over. He's eight and eight. Not bad. Second year player. I, I want to say they started like six and one that year too. I think they were they were pretty damn good, and I think they kind of collapsed late in the year. But yeah, I I think you're right. And they go eight and eight, 17 touchdowns, 16 picks, 3,200 yards. Young team though, so young teams collapse a lot of the times, so especially November, December. They don't stay as healthy as long. And the AFC was kind of getting tougher at that point. Like, you know, you had a lot of, you know, five and six or five and teams going for the five and six seeds. Yeah. 2003 was the year that it kind of fell apart on them. Um, So they go to, he goes two and nine as a starter and the chargers earn that number one pick and the 2004 draft happens. And that could be a podcast really on all on its own. Yeah. Where Eli Manning, you know, he refuses to sign with the Chargers. So the Chargers GM, AJ Smith, and Giants GM, Ernie Acorsi, have to make a trade. And remember, Ernie Acorsi was the GM of the Baltimore Colts during the Elway yeah. draft. Yeah. Um, what, 21 years before? 21. Like that. Yeah. That was 83. the 83 years. That was the 83 draft. So, you have this kind of hostile situation where Manning and really Archie Manning, Eli's dad, he ain't playing in San Diego. He, he made it clear. So they have to work this like NBA style trade where in, in the NBA, when you watch the draft, when they make a trade during the draft, they draft the, the, the team that is trading away the asset. Yeah, they still make the Actually, pick. They make the pick for the player, right? Mm-hmm. And then trade the player away. So Kobe Bryant, for example, got drafted by the Charlotte Hornets because what he was later traded to the Los Angeles Lakers, and the rest is history. This actually happened. That that isn't that's not typically the case for the NFL. In the NFL, that you trade the pick, and then the team that is really acquiring the player makes the selection. Didn't happen in in the O or the O four draft. The Chargers select Eli with the first pick, and the Giants select Phillip Rivers from NC State, number four overall. Uh, the Chargers send Eli to the Giants, but in exchange, they get Rivers, a 2004 third-round pick, which was Nate Kading, the kicker, who oh. ends up costing them a playoff game. Yeah, twice. Uh, well, and he did it in his rookie year. Uh, a 2005 first-round pick, which became Sean Merriman, who was oh lights out. Oh, my God. Out. Until he started testing positive for steroids. <laughs> until uh, until we all knew what would happen. <laughs> yeah. It's like that guy was you know, like when you watch him celebrate, you're like, yeah, that guy's definitely <laughs> doing some. He's juicing. He's juicing. <laughs> and this was like the 2000s, man. So like we we knew. Everybody we knew. was on the juice. So we were all on the juice. <laughs> yeah, I was juicing. Let's I'm just kidding. But uh, a 2005 uh, fifth round pick that was traded away. So not as big of a deal. The Giants, uh, the fun fact about this trade, though, or that kind of the scenario is, of course, he claims that if the Giants had stayed at four, or I guess Eli, let's say if he goes to the Chargers, they actually don't take Phillip Rivers. They take Big Ben. So that's a whole nother what if. Like if Eli just agrees to play for the Chargers, is Philip Rivers a Steeler? Is Big Ben a Giant? There's a whole yeah. nother kind of scenario that unfolds there. But 2004, the season comes. 
And Drew Brees kind of th- kind of throws a wrench in this whole plan for the Chargers. The Chargers take Phillip Rivers, right? So they have a highly invested first round, you know, fourth overall pick in the draft. He's the future. And at that and back then there was no rookie wage scale. So these guys that were picked like top five, they were, they were expensive. Like mm-hmm. they were the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. Most expensive players on the team. Yeah. Once Rivers is selected, the clock's ticking on Drew Brees' time. There's nothing I think he could have really done. Yeah. Did his best though. He did. He, I think he made it hard for the Chargers. In 2004, he wins the comeback player of the year. Goes 11 and four as a starter, 27 touchdowns and seven picks. And it, back then, that's an MVP caliber. Season oh, yeah. He doesn't win MVP that year because Manning broke, ran away with broke, the, yeah. What does he throw like 48, 49 touchdowns? That 49 season? touchdowns that year. Yeah. Yeah. He had like video game numbers, but I want to say that was like a similar stat line to what Manning did in 03. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Cause we talked about that last week. Yeah. It's very similar. So, similar numbers really solid season they lose a heartbreaking wild card game at home to the jets and nate kading who was a part of that trade i just mentioned he was picked in the third round which is really high for a kicker by the way you know he misses a really a chip shot field goal in that game and the jets end up winning on the road in san diego so drew Brees hasn't had a playoff win yet he's on the final year of his deal going into 05 and regression hits nine and seven 24 touchdowns 15 picks no playoffs um the thing that really hurts breeze here and kind of throws a wrench into everything is he suffers a dislocated shoulder a really severe one by the way Mm -hmm. on his final play of the season so it was week 17 against the broncos final play of his chargers career john lynch sacks him in his own end zone or hits him in his own end zone Drew Brees dislocates his, uh, his his throwing shoulder. And remember, he's a free agent at that point. The Chargers are definitely not going to invest him at, at, yeah. at, at this point. Like, made, that made their decision even that, clearer. I can't blame the Chargers for moving on because, you know, you have the fourth overall pick, and they felt pretty good about where Rivers was. And I think the results in 06 kind of show that they were right. They went 14-2. and two. Breeze now has a lot of issues because he's going into the open market, possibly as damaged goods. So he has to go to the famous, most famous surgeon in sports and the guy you never, ever want to hear your favorite athlete or your team's favorite player associated with. And not that he sounds like a great surgeon. I'm not saying he's not. But if your guy's seeing Dr. James Andrews, that's not good. Yeah, no, it's hurting. So. James Andrews, and funny thing too, I listened to a podcast uh, preparing for this. He's based in Birmingham, by the way. So you know who's really close with Dr. Jimmy, I think is what he called him. Jimmy, like. Dr. James Andrews is what he calls him. He calls him Jimmy. Oh, well, if he's in Birmingham, would he be close with Saban? Yep. Drew Brees goes to James Andrews for his surgery and rehab to, to fix the shoulder. And James Andrews says he's going to recover. And Nick Saban hears that, or he like, I think he just respected, I think secretly he just wanted the best quarterback available. Right. But, you know, medical decisions are tough because, you know, you're investing a lot of money. So the owner of the Dolphins, Wayne Heisinger, you have to kind of, you have to convince him that, hey, this is a risk worth taking. 
and Drew Brees is going to command some money. He becomes a free agent. He has five seasons with the Chargers. And the funny thing about it, though, like I love his college profile. At that point in his career, if we were back in time and you and I were discussing free agency right now, like or we were discussing the 06 free agency class. Yeah. I'm not that impressed by him. Like, no, he looks like um, Derek Carr. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very similar, actually, especially when you consider who he was kind of pitted up against, if you want to say it like that. He, you know, we, we talked about his entire resume and the guy that we're talking about him going up against was <laughs> Get your roll on. Get your Dante Culpepper. Dante Culpepper was Justin Fields at a time. No, no, he was actually, he, he was more playoff success, a lot I mean, more playoff success. And, uh, but just as inaccurate or sometimes accurate, he would, he, he, he floated through, he had some incredible accuracy at times, but he had some boneheaded turnovers and he was, he was so athletic for being as big as he was. He had a breakout season in 2000. He threw 33 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, almost 4,000 yards. And then he was on the Madden cover the following year, just two years before um, free agency. He had an incredible season. Probably if, you know, we talked about this is the same year that breeze had 27 and seven. And we said that obviously that would have been MVP if not for Manning. Well, yeah. there's another guy that would have probably won MVP if not for Manning to that year. Yeah. And that was Dante Culpepper because he threw nearly 40 touchdowns. And such a weird, such a weird team though, because like that season statistically was so they're like one of the worst playoffs teams of all time. <laughs> they went eight and eight. And they, I know they, they beat a team with Green Bay that just had such an awful defense. And yeah, Moss and Culpepper feasted on that uh, in the wild card, but they got blown out at Philly. Like, I look back at that Vikings team and they weren't really that good. Yeah. By DVOA, they were not good at all. Um, and so, but yeah, that he had won two playoff games in his career. Dante did, um, as you mentioned, that 2004 Packers game. And then they won a divisional round game in 2000 against the Saints uh, before they got throttled by the Giants in the NFC Championship. But Dante, you know, his time was kind of, you know, done in Minnesota after the 05 season, which uh, infamously had the love boat on wasn't that Lake Minnetonka? I yeah, believe yeah. that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get into that because like, yeah. it's not just Culpepper that was involved in that. Yeah, like, so it, it wasn't was the just the entire him. team. But I mean, you talk about like kind of a like in all seriousness, like a back breaking type moment because yeah. like, Ziggy Wolf at one point was like crying. The owner of the Vikings, he was like crying in front of the team and angry at why they would do such a thing. And I think the, really the Vikings from then on were like in a complete culture change. They wanted to get rid of like all of these guys. Yeah. From that Mike Tice era. So anyway, like we'll get into that in a second, but like Culpepper in, in general had a pretty impressive statistical resume. Yeah. The, inter the interesting thing Saban actually brought up in the, the, uh, I think it was like Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden's podcast, like some of his former players. I think Brian McFadden. Did they have him on? They had him on, oh, and he was talking about the Breeze scenario. But they had him on. James Andrews was actually more concerned about Culpepper's knee injury than he was. Oh yeah, 
Reese's shoulder injury, which I think that's kind of hindsight because yeah, of course right. Saban's going to say now, that. Now we're going to say that now. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, take it for what it's worth. But Culpepper wasn't exactly a clean bill of health either, and the 05 season really wasn't good. So it wasn't like he was just this – he was available for a reason. Mm. Right. If he were this bona fide franchise quarterback, the Vikings wouldn't have been trading him. So, and if you if you didn't want to pick from either of those two, of course, you always had the NFL draft. Yep, and that was a unique draft group to say the least. Yeah. So Vince Young from Texas national championship against USC. Everybody loved. Did he, win the Heisman? Oh, he didn't win the no, Heisman. No, he didn't. That's yeah. right. That was Reggie Bush. Yeah, Reggie Bush. Yeah. Uh, you know, Vince Young has that crazy Rose Bowl game. I want to say, was that Keith Jackson's last game? Yep. He's gone for the corner. He's yeah. got Vince yeah. Young. Skulls. What a great, what a great <laughs> era with him and like when Pat Summerall were doing games. Like oh, just the the stoic. Never nature. have it they again. They never say anything. They just let the game breathe. Yeah. But, and now some guys try to do it, and it just isn't, you know. Yeah, yeah, for, that's for sure. But like Vince Young, has he? He's kind of the prize of the quarterbacks. Matt Leinart, you know, he was kind of the safe option, but kind of we laugh at that now because he busted. Yeah, uh, he yeah. Everyone's like, oh, he runs the pro style offense, and yeah, I mean, Le- lefties, man, they don't work lefties. out. Yeah. Like Steve Young and then maybe Tua, we don't know yet. Yeah. Um, Jay Cutler, who I I remember like going back in time and like I don't think this is something you can be like overly braggadocious about, but like I love Jay Cutler at Vanderbilt. Like he had the far quality aspects to his game. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest what ifs is what if he just like if Shanahan stays in Denver. Yeah. What if they had a goddamn if, defense? Yeah. If Shanahan stays like, in yeah, if she, but if Shanahan stays in Denver and you just let him develop in that system, yeah. I I think he I think he would be really good. I think he would have had a great career. He had a lot of talent. He did. He went to some broken he went to a broken Chicago offense that had a great defense. But yeah. Jay was putting makeup on a pick. Would Jay I always felt and we might even talk about Jay at another point in time. But Jay was always a quarterback that I felt he played better when he didn't have as good of players around him. When they put all the good players around him, it didn't work out. It was weird. Like he always, like he, he, it seemed like he was a better quarterback when he had Johnny Knox and Devin Hester catching passes rather than Brandon Martian and Alshon Jeffrey. I, I never understood it. I still think we've talked about this before, but one of the greatest throws I've ever seen was that, that touchdown pass he had against the Chargers. Oh, good to Johnny uh, Knox. Oh. Was that 2011? 20. That was the game he broke his thumb. I don't know how the curvature of this ball worked, but like it just the way it floated, and I was amazed. I was like, I've never seen something like that. I I, I thought he threw the ball ten rows up into the stands, and it, it just like a, landed into Johnny Knox's hands. <laughs> it looked like a step. It looked like a Steph Curry jump shot. Yeah, it, yeah. Like, the way it, it popped up and. Yeah, uh, and then when he broke was, his, with the word came out that he broke his son later that night was like yeah. depression. No one had more talent, at least arm talent, than Jay Cutler, and oh. he should have been the number one pick in this draft. And people will laugh at me for saying that. I still think it's true. 
Yeah. Kellen Clemens from Oregon. He was a second round pick, not really that relevant. And then Travaris oh. Jackson, God rest his soul, late second round pick in Minnesota. So, and he's he's from Alabama State. But what I think this, and we should have seen this a little bit more with this quarterback class, shouldn't have been it should have been more of a red flag that the Texans didn't take any of them and yeah. they didn't have like they had David Carr at that point. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the Saints end up aggressively going after a quarterback with a broken shoulder, essentially. Yeah. Um because nor if there were a really like a bona fide number one draft choice at quarterback, the Saints were picking number two. They're probably gonna see what happens in the draft, but I, I think it it's pretty telling they didn't do that. And, so, and this this was just this was just the year, I mean, this was right after Big Ben, who is a second-year player, led the Steelers to a Super Bowl. So you would think, and the year before yep. that, they were 15-1. Now, granted, it wasn't Big Ben that he became, like, in, you know, the mid-2010s and early 2010s and that sort of guy. Yeah. But it was still, like, you would, you know, just the way the league works, it just like it does now, like, when you know everybody's trying to find the next the next Patrick Mahomes, it's surprising that nobody saw Jay Cutler and was like, "Oh, he's he, he may not be as big as Big Ben, but like maybe he could be our Big Ben or something like that." And, but and nobody Jay, thought like that, Ben. You know, yeah. And what if Jay Cutler like gets Sean Payton? Like that's yeah. another what if from that's, this episode. Yeah. Like, because if I like, I still think like if you gave him time under the Shanahan system and you gave him a better defense in the late 2000s Jay Cutler has more wins than he does in Denver but it just didn't work out that way for sure but the teams that needed quarterbacks uh, in 2006 yeah so the first one um that we can think of and they they ended up taking one of those quarterbacks was the Arizona Cardinals um they were, I think it was their first year in um, the new stadium, 06. So kind yes. of a new era for them. Denny Green um, had not been working well. I think they only had like one notable, well, they had Larry Fitz and they had Anquan Bolden and on, and then they had Neil Rackers as their kicker. And that yeah. was really, that was the gist of their team. They did sign Kurt Warner the year before, but you know, we talked last week, and again, it's still something I want to talk about further. Um, Warner, he had a weird career. The first three years of his career was he was absolutely lethal. I mean, like his numbers the, were. I mean, granted, era yeah. adjusted were unbelievable, and then the bottom fell out. Um, MVP his first season as a starter and won the Super Bowl. Yes, the first and third seasons. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, so it went bad. They ended up drafting Liner, um, and Liner um, was serviceable until he wasn't. Um, Warner ended up coming back in towards the end of 06, and then they went, I think they went back to, to Liner at the start of 07, and and then like midway through 07, they went back to Warner. And Warner did play better, obviously, he got the Cardinals to the Super Bowl in 08, but yeah, like. I think it he worked, just had he got really hot at one, you know. It worked it worked out for them. I mean, they went nine and seven in 08, but I mean looking at just the 2005 Cardinals, you know, he wasn't great. 
11 touchdowns, nine picks, two and eight as a starter. They definitely could have looked at Drew Brees, but they instead went to the draft and went for Matt Leiner. So the next team, the Minnesota Vikings, this one is more of a cultural. They're going to trade Culpepper. The 2005 Vikings were really, really hyped up, which in hindsight didn't make a lot of sense. They traded this generationally good player in Randy Moss. Uh, after the 04, he, he was kind of a malcontent himself. So they traded him. they draft and <laughs> replace him again? Troy Williamson. <laughs> so, oh, and I loved, I love telling Viking fans this. It's like you drafted Troy Williamson and Erasmus James and let Green Bay draft Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. 2005 is scandal written for this team. They have this, it's kind of known as the love boat scandal. On Lake Minnetonka, or is it Minnetonka or Winnetonka? Or one M- Minnetonka. I, I Minnetonka. swam in it one time. <laughs> yeah. You got exp- I don't know, dude. You might want to go to the doctor after this story. I was only 11 too when I swam in it. I could sue the Vikings for abuse yeah. of a child. Yeah. I was about to say, like, you you might need to like go to the doctor and check yourself for some things, but. <laughs> So uh, some members of the Vikings, they rent a boat called Miss Chevious. So M-I-S-S Chevious, right? So mischievous, right? So already red flag. Accompanying, uh, so it's a team party that they, they rent the boat for. And not everybody on the team shows up. So And it's not officially a team event. It's not <laughs> officially the Vikings, but a lot of the players were on this boat. Accompanying these players are 55 women. This is according to the stories. 55. That's a lot. Young friends that they have. They are there to entertain the clientele. So the <laughs> kind of the ringleader of the scandal is cornerback Fred Smoot, Mississippi State legend. And so if there's a Barstool sports documentary that focused in on the Love Boat scandal, but apparently he handles, quote, the weapon of mass destruction. (laughs) (laughs) And he said afterwards, he said that the new owner of that boat, I don't know if it's been renamed since, but he said that the new owner should never use a black light. Oh, God. That is horrible. So so one year, and this is one year after the whole Ontario Smith Wizenator incident. This team is just like in shambles in terms Mm -hmm. of like culture. Like, and this was like the mid 2000s where everybody's like tracking. You know, this is post NBA brawl. Remember the Pacers? Yeah, the R test time. Yeah. So everybody's like looking out for their image and they don't want like players getting caught up with the law. And so they just, they're trying to kind of, and Culpepper was involved. He was there. They dispute whether he was acting with the rest of them. I don't know what happened, but I I think the, the Vikings were looking to clean house with all their leadership, which head coach Mike Tice, quarterback, Dante Culpepper, they're out. And of course, they you know, they didn't win a ton of games in 05. So they fired Tice, and I mentioned Moss got traded the year prior. So they're like completely 
moving the script on that team from the early yeah. 2000s. So Dante Culpepper's on the on you know he's on the market, but the Vikings under Brad Childress, who's their new head coach, are looking for a quarterback. And uh, but instead they go for Brad Johnson, so they're not going for Drew Brees. So the next and team they were too far back from drafting any of the because uh, they did they still did go like nine and seven and oh five so they were too far back for any of the rookies. were they were they nine and seven I didn't actually yeah. look their record down yeah no they, they were that nine good? and seven yeah they well oh, they wow. granted they finished nine and seven because they were eight and seven and the Bears rested their starters week seventeen and they destroyed the Bears but they destroyed the Bears backups. I would have never thought that the 05 Vikings were actually better than the 04 Vikings. Yeah, they, um, I guess, I mean, like they were not, I don't think it was like, they might've needed help to get into the playoffs that final weekend, but I don't exactly remember to be honest. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the Detroit Lions are next, another NFC North team. Um, 2005 was the midst of the Matt Millen era. Um, it started off okay. I think they were about four and three about midway through the season. And then the um, the train came off the tracks. Um, it was the end of the Joey Harrington experience. They did dabble a little bit with Jeff Garcia, who visited quite a few teams after his stint with San Francisco. Just a journeyman that, kind of guy. Yeah, he was a total journeyman. He, actually, he was a journeyman when he got to San Francisco because he was in the Canadian League before that. And so he, he did okay, but obviously he was not going to be the quarterback of the future. And they roll with John Kitna, a former NAIA quarterback. Uh, for some reason, I guess I guess he would he left Cincinnati after 05, huh? Because he would have yeah. played in that playoff game. I think um, he might have. Was he in Detroit? No, no, he was the backup under Carson Palmer because I think he yes. played in that playoff game. Yeah, yeah he, so he played after uh, Kimo Von Alflar or whatever he, yeah. his name was. Uh, towards the MVP of the 2005 Steelers. So, because <laughs> I'm still convinced the Bengals win that game if Palmer stays out. Carson Palmer was actually a really good quarterback. Yeah, so they, they had their chance at, you know, Cutler or Breeze. They didn't take either of them uh this but is the team this is the it, team i'm just like what the hell are you thinking like what are yeah. you going into 06 why are you just this was a team not... that just made bad decisions after bad decisions this was yeah. they they took three straight wide receivers in the draft yeah um, but you, in you the first round <laughs> they seriously went into the 06 season thinking hey you know we're going to take or we're going to we're going to take john kitna and completely pass over drew Brees. cross our fingers and and i i get it like i i'll give the dolphins the excuse of the shoulder injury for breeze yeah you don't even bring him in for a visit because apparently no. according to breeze only two, really two teams were interested the dolphins and the saints so That's this right. is one of those teams what the hell are you thinking detroit like you just roll into 06 yeah john kit like and there's a quarterback on the market, that is obviously an upgrade. And you go to John Kidna. That I I saw that, and I'm just I'm thinking that was a really stupid decision. Oh, and yeah. then I it was Matt Millen. The Raiders were next. Uh, the Raiders were uh, in the midst of after their 2002 Super Bowl run. They were pretty awful. 
Um, Norv Turner uh, got them two, four, and twelve in two thousand five. Yeah, um, they signed post Katrina Aaron Brooks. Um, this was not Aaron Brooks early two thousands. Um, this was like I said, th- like this was after a really bad year in 05, which yeah. was beyond the Saints' control, but uh, still a puzzling move. And then they had Archell as head coach in 2006. They went they went back to Archell. And so. that was horrible. Like, that was <laughs> one of the worst teams of the last 20 years. Was that oh, a yes. Raiders team? Oh, God. And led them to draft in Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, it did a lot of good for them. So, yeah. remember, tanking always works. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, I'll I'll say the Raiders are the other team, along with the Lions, and we'll get to the Browns in a second. But they're the they're a what the fuck are you doing team? Yeah, like you had them, like and you and you decide to go after Aaron Brooks, and you don't really put a lot of consideration into Drew Brees, at least on the record. I don't I didn't get that, but the Raiders at that point were making a lot of crazy moves including hiring art shell as head coach in 06 that was really stupid uh cleveland was the team the the third team i mentioned i don't know what the hell they're thinking six and ten in 05 you're not good and then you you actually figure out how to make it worse because i think they was it garcia in 05 no garcia was with Uh, oh four it was garcia i don't even remember who the i don't have the quarterback written down for a five but they decide we're gonna oh, roll out with it was Trent Dilfer, I want to say. <laughs> yeah, because so, he they actually beat the Bears, I remember. And that so, was the uh the Mike Brown we suck game and the Bears and then ended up they wound up winning eight in a row after that. Yeah. So but they they go third three and thirteen in 06 with Charlie Fry and Derek Anderson. So it really worked out well for them. Um this is the biggest kind of like what are you doing moment? Because yeah. you don't have anything at QB. I mean, like you can't even like, uh, there's some teams that, like we said, you know, they drafted guys that didn't work out. The Texans who will go over in a second, you know, they still had a first round guy. Like, no, this, this team, I, I don't know how you can excuse that. They weren't really interested in breeze. I'll never understand the Browns not really pursuing him harder. Cause I think breeze could have been had. I don't yeah. think it was I don't think the Saints were like in such a great position to just go get a free agent. Like it it kind of I think I feel like Breeze kind of fell in the Saints laps. Uh but anyway, I, I don't think the I, I can't excuse the Browns at all for, for missing out on this. The only team that was smart enough to actually make the decision to bring him in was probably the team with the worst situation mm-hmm. in the league. And people don't think that now they'll like laugh at Detroit and Cleveland because those are the laughing stocks, right? Of the two thousands, but the saints, like you have to think they were a poorly run team. So, in, you know, in 99 Dick trades the entire draft for mm-hmm. Ricky Williams, a running back, like the most the most hilarious ESPN magazine cover ever where he's on the he's on the cover <laughs> and he's getting married. Was it Ricky was in the dress, right? Ricky was in the dress. This was back in the day. I want I added a footnote because I always thought this was funny. That Al Michaels, this was back in the day when he would pronounce New Orleans, New Orleans. It used to drive me crazy because <laughs> no one else says it like that. I, you either hear New Orleans 
or New Orleans? And he says New Orleans. And it like, <laughs> and I used to ask people, and it's like, no one else noticed this. In 2000, first year with Jim Hazlitt, they go 10 and six, they win the NFC West. But winning your division doesn't always, always mean that you're actually like super productive. Uh, but they get a win, they get a playoff win. Their first win, I think that was their first playoff win in history. Ever. Yep. Yeah. In the voodoo game is what that's known as because the Rams kept screwing up. And I think it was because they brought like a snake out on the field. Like, yeah, at halftime. Yeah. The Rams can blame it on that, I guess. <laughs> 2001, seven and nine. But remember, you know, that's pretty good for the Saints at this point. Like, they were not a, you know, going out. If you left 99, Saying like in two years you'll be seven and nine, you'd be like, okay, that's not bad. That's not the worst. But 2002, 2003 is kind of like it's the year where Deuce McAllister is like the face of the team, and you have Aaron Brooks. Is it's not a great setup. Like you're no. you're not looking at that team thinking Super Bowl anytime soon. You know they kind of overachieved, and that's probably why you know coaches like Mike McCarthy ended up getting jobs later. Um, oh. 2005, though, the wheels come off, and I think understandably so. Yeah. They were displaced and disorganized because of Hurricane Katrina. It's right at the tail end of the preseason. The Saints are forced to play home games in three different cities. Uh, New York, they actually had a home game against the Giants in New York. Yeah. Uh, And then they get... It was like on a Friday night, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so they had that, they had San Antonio, and they had Baton Rouge. So that's a really hard thing to like because if you think about the players that are in that situation, they're not with their families the entire yeah. time because they're you know their families are seeing things through when they can get back to the city, like with yeah, wherever their homes are. So you have a lot of crap you're dealing with. So right. they go four and twelve. They're not in a great position to win a lot of games. But the team is also in really bad shape. It hasn't been managed super well. It has been coached. I don't think Jim Hazlitt was ever a bad coach, but I don't think he was a great coach. This team is a mess. And a lot of things, you know, the biggest what if I I have is, number one, the point is Drew Brees saved this franchise. Because if Brees doesn't come to New Orleans, here's my what ifs, and I'll let you kind of give your what ifs. If Drew Brees doesn't go to New Orleans, if he let's say he, you know, th- it didn't flunk his physical in Miami and he signs there, I think the Saints move to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I think that the uh, let me see here. I think the Saints move to Los Angeles, and they don't have the early success under Sean Payton that they had in New Orleans. The Rams and the Chargers probably don't have, uh, they probably have to find another option. Instead of going to Los Angeles, you probably have the Chargers and the Rams trying to go to Vegas, or maybe one of these cities works it out. Uh, the Rams and the Saints have to switch divisions. Uh, they have to draft Vince Young or Matt Leinart. Yeah. They, do they trade for Aaron Rodgers? Like, do they reach out to the Packers? The Raiders tried doing that at the start of the 07 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried trading Randy Moss to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. Packers wisely said no. Do you try that and in 06? 
do they trade for Culpepper? Um, and does Sean Payton have the level of you know success and the level of respect he does now? I doubt that. And lastly, does Parcells end up with a front office job in New Orleans instead of Miami because he has to rebuild this? He, he has to go. Well, and he has to go save his buddy Sean Payton. Yeah. Because Sean Payton worked with Bill Parcells in Dallas. Um, Bill Parcells last year in Dallas was 07, right? Yeah. Or no, 06. Oh, 06. Wade, okay. Wade I, Phillips I, took I, over in 07. Okay. I can I can never remember that for whatever reason. I always get those two years confused. Yeah. It's because 07, they lost at home to the Giants. My, my what ifs were always... Um, no, so those are some really good ones um, to to contemplate, and you could you could sit down and go through every single one of those scenarios and say, well, you know, this could have happened. Uh, I've always wondered what would the ramifications on the the NFC be um, after that. Um, obviously, that 06 Saints team is we'll talk about it here in a few minutes. Um, they stunned the country. They stunned the league. Um, they had those two early wins. Um, and I don't even remember who they played the first few games of the season, but then everybody remembers the week three game um, when they, and I just got chills even thinking about it. Um, the Monday night game against Atlanta in the Superdome when Steve Gleason blocked the punt um, and the Saints scored. Uh, I, I'll never forget watching that moment and Mike Tirico having the wherewithal to shut up and, um, and let the moment speak. That was, I, I'll never, I, I only can imagine what it was like being in that dome that night. And of course they went on, they had a storybook season and they ran into the bears in the NFC championship, but the bears won an NFC that year. That was really weak. Like the saints storybook team and all, and the saints were getting picked to beat the bears in the NFC championship, but the saints were 10 and six and they were the two seed. There are sometimes 10 and six teams don't make the playoffs, let alone think, be the two seed. I think this was the year there were like seven teams finishing eight and eight. Yes, like, there was. Yes, there I was remember Green year. Bay was trying to get in the playoffs the last day of the season, but they needed like five. I think they needed the to Giants lose. to lose or something like that. Yeah, that the, I was really upset that Saturday night they were playing Washington. Uh, the Giants were, and I needed, I wanted the Redskins to be the Giants. And yeah, so were happen. they out then? No, they had a mathematical chance, but it was like very small. They yeah. had to have like maybe four or five teams win uh, in the one o'clock window, and like one of those didn't happen. So that Sunday night game against Chicago was meaningless. It, it, it didn't mean anything, but it, yeah, that was the whole like Brett Favre is going to retire. Will he or what? That was the first. Will he? Won't yeah, he? He was. He was crying. And then he didn't retire. Yeah. Well, that kind of actually, that brings me to my next thing because, um, you know, obviously the saints did eventually break through in the end and who do they have to go through to, to get to the super bowl was Brett Favre and the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Does now, I mean, it's, it's hard, you know, when you make, uh, um, a hypothetical about a situation and then try to make something that happened three years down the line. You know, obviously that's when you start, maybe you can consider that grasping at straws, but obviously the saints aren't that team. 
in 2009. Who is that team? I mean, you know, we don't know if Favre even goes to the bike. Favre, Favre might even go to New Orleans. You know, like he might, you know, I, I don't know. He might want to play with Sean Payton or something. He's playing in a yeah. dome. His family was, they lived in the Mississippi River Delta area there, you know. I um, Well, and, and, but like I said, I mean, do we even know that Saints, do they even stay? In New do, do they even stay? So, um, but do the Vikings, you know, my point was, do the Vikings just waltz to the Super Bowl that year? And I thought the Vikings were the best team in football in 2009. I thought the winner of that NFC championship would win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, or, or does Peyton get his second, you know? So, um, yeah. and then of course, um, it, it does lead, obviously you can't really expunge anything that happened, say the last few years of like when, um, Breeze and Peyton had their last hurrah here uh, just yeah. a few years ago. It's too, that's too far away, but you do wonder like the late two thousands, uh, early 2010s when the saints still had some really strong rosters, you know, suddenly now those aren't, that's, that's one less team competing in the NFC. And um, at a time when the NFC wasn't rolling out as, as many great teams at that time. My and my last question for the Saints before we go to the Dolphins and then we finish up: Does Drew Brees break all these records? Does he become you know the all-time leading passer for a moment in time before Brady broke it? Um, well, he doesn't get Sean. He doesn't get Sean Payton. Yeah, he doesn't get to play in a dome nine plus games a year. Because remember, in the NFC South, if you're the Saints, you play eight at home, or sometimes nine. You know, once the schedule turned to seventeen games. Plus, you play in Atlanta, so you're playing inside for more than half the season every single year. Um, the Miami skill players, and we'll we'll transition to Miami in a second, were not, I don't think, as great as the ones he eventually got to play no. with in New Orleans because they were more aging veteran players like Marty Booker, Ricky Williams, Chris Chambers. Marty Booker, the Bears traded him for Ottawa Lagunlie. Like that was that was a great trade. Yeah, so <laughs> the Bears won that one. Yeah, so I I don't know if you know, I don't know if and like I I made the point earlier, Drew Brees doesn't have this his Chargers resume wasn't like even a pro bowl resume. Yeah. Does he Who knows that he, he might have just sputtered out? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a great question. And on the flip side, you know, if you're the Dolphins, you see what he did in New Orleans. My questions are, you know, do they become overnight contenders in the AFC? Do they challenge the Patriots? Do they challenge the Steelers, the Chargers, the Colts for that AFC throne, which was really hard to contend for at the time? These teams were stacked. Yeah. At that point in time. Yeah, those um, were, I mean, those were some great. How come the NFC has never had something like that? Well, it did in the 90s. In the 90s, yeah, but like yeah. since we started watching. Yeah, I don't know. It's always been the AFC. Yeah, it's because the quarterbacks. And I mean, it's yeah, like they just, they've just had a concentration. Yeah, it's and it's still like that. I mean, yeah, the likes of Josh Allen will never go to a Super Bowl yeah, because of it, who he has to contend with. Yeah, that's true. I think it'll, who knows, maybe Josh Allen's like Elway and he'll get there when he's like washed up and they have it, like they just run the run game. <laughs> that's right. So, 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, they'll they'll have like Terrell Davis Jr. out there. But <laughs> yeah. uh, my other what if, you know, Nick Saban, if he stays in Miami, does he continue to build Miami into this winning program? Because this is a spot from 07 after Saban left. This was a spot where they went through Cam Cameron one season. Tony Sperano, that was through 2011, so f- that was 08, 09, 10, or, 11, 40 seasons. No, Joe Philbin for a few seasons. They had Adam Gaze, which was awesome for them. Uh, Adam Gaze, funny enough, had probably more success than Joe Philbin did. He got to the playoffs once. By wins, but his teams were always Awful. paper tigers. They like they yeah. were like they, they would be like eight and eight or seven and nine, but like they would have a like a point differential that would be fifth worst in the league or something like yeah. that. The 2016 Steelers, like the fact that they got to play in Adam Gase Dolphins playoff team, <laughs> just cracks yeah. me up. It was unfair. And then uh, Brian Flores, who kind of just you know coached, you know he he showed a lot of promise with some of his Dolphins teams, but overall, like his teams were not very good either. Yeah. So. Uh, does Bill Parcells, does he, I mean, he probably never has to go to, to Miami to do a quick rebuild with Tony Sperano because Nick Saban stays there. That doesn't need to happen. Um, I even wrote junior Seau can stay on and ring chase with the dolphins and doesn't have to go to the Patriots mm-hmm. uh, at the very end of his career, because the dolphins are probably AFC contenders with Drew Brees. Jason Taylor's relationship doesn't sour with the Dolphins front office and coaching staff, and he never has to go to the Redskins or eventually the Jets to I forgot he was in Washington. Yeah, he was there for a he, season. He went back to Miami though, didn't he? He did, and then I think he finished with the Jets. So he had kind of a weird ending to his career, but I think yeah. he just stayed he's probably just a lifetime dolphin if Nick Staben if right? he stays there. Yep. Uh Zach Thomas. Uh, he stays on and does the same thing. He doesn't go to the Cowboys in 2008, which was probably a ring chasing move in hindsight because the OET Cowboys preseason was, they were really highly regarded. Outed. Yeah. Uh, they went 13 and three in 07. So Zach Thomas probably stays a career dolphin. So you have these two hall of fame defensive players that never played for any other team. So like yeah. that hurts as a dolphin fan to think like, you know, the fact that we couldn't get quarterback right made the ending of our two Hall of Fame defensive players kind of sour. Um, and, then and a lot West- of players love to go play out in my or play down in Miami, yeah. too. Like they, they would have been such a hot uh, bet hot for free agents, you know, kind of like they are now because two is good enough where they think, yes. you, think you can win. With right. Them. And uh, my other thing kind of to finish up some of these what is Wes Welker uh, doesn't go to the Patriots. He stays on as a Dolphin because Breeze and Saban recognize what they have. Um, he doesn't catch 140 balls from Tom Brady. Catches 140 balls from Drew Breeze probably. Yeah. Uh, Alabama doesn't hire Nick Saban. And yeah, you know, he won't leave a Super Bowl contending team. Um, he's even told you know, in multiple interviews, the reason, and I'll give you a quote from him to be exact. You know, the year before, he's talking about 2006, Drew Brees was a free agent. 
and we were in the mix to get him. I think when that didn't work out, I was like, we worked our tail off. And because of this one position that we haven't been able to solve, I can't control my own destiny. So he basically, I think once they don't get Breeze, I think he's resigned. He's done with yeah. Miami. He coaches the 06 season because he's got to kind of see that through. But he's thinking his next move already at that point. He ain't fixing the Dolphins without Drew Brees. So, but if he does get Drew Brees, I think he stays with Miami. I think he's basically made that clear. And I don't, you know, and Wayne Heisinger has the money or had the money at the time mm-hmm. to match whatever Alabama brings, I think. like, And he probably would have gotten an extension if he had shown some promise in 06. Yeah. You know, he ends up going to Alabama. Um, and Alabama, if you look at their angle, is like their other candidates aren't really that strong. And obviously you're comparing them to Nick Saban, arguably the greatest college football coach of all time. But you're looking at Steve Spurrier at South Carolina. Yeah. Who is probably towards the tail end of his career. Um, you know, yeah, he, he lasted like, a few more years. He was he spent about eight, eight years, but like I don't think Spurrier was ever going to win another national championship in that Never. environment. Um, Shiano, that's a, you know, he had a strong resume, but it, his reputation soured because he went to the NFL. That's an interesting one, I think. Cutcliffe, David Cutcliffe, he had a strong reputation because of the Mannings, but I don't think he was ever meant to be a coach at a huge program like that. Um, and then Rich Rod, and we saw what a great job he did at Michigan. Oh, God. Um, so Alabama was a mess in 06. I don't think they become this powerhouse, and I think that's safe to say because Nick Saban has proven how consistently excellent he is at the college level. He did it at LSU as well. <laughs> Um, it's it it um just thinking about him obviously staying in new or in Miami it, it, it makes me wonder what it does to Bill Belichick because Belichick now if he has somebody as strong as Saban in his division his best friend really I'm assuming I think they're I think they're best I hope they're yeah. best friends um but um somebody as strong as him the weird funny angle of that is he is a Dolphins coach like right now he's chasing a Dolphins coach it doesn't look like he's gonna get it right now Don Chula of course for the all-time win record um but if if Saban was there he would have a Dolphins coach as an impediment to getting past Don Chula in the end so it's it's almost like it was Don Chula that like you know he could have been um, the one that was like playing the puppeteer with putting Nick Saban in the way of Bill Belich. Obviously, that's not how uh, back then people thought it was going to happen. Um, I think Belichick had obviously great success then, but um, nobody thought it, his success was going to be as strong for as long as it was. Um, yeah, it, for him to get as close to Shula in the end. Yeah, that that's that's for sure. And those Patriots teams, like they, you know, if you're playing in a division with Saban and Drew Brees, like I have it written down, I think the Patriots end up playing three road playoff games from 07 to 19. I don't think they get the one seed every single year, basically. No. For 
over a decade. Yeah. Um, that's an amazing beat. That's the only thing that tops that is Mahomes's uh record of road playoff games. He's only played in two. Yeah. Um, and before this year, he played in zero. Um, but New England never had to go and leave Foxborough, which was such a tough place to play. I don't see that happening if you're having to play a great Dolphins team led by Nick Saban twice a season. Yeah. So it's every other whole, year sort of a thing. The whole NFL and AFC playoff picture completely changes year over year. Um, you know, you in college can, football in general. And even just yeah. in, in, with in college football, I don't know why I just thought of this, but all the assistance that came from Saban at Alabama. Yeah. You know, that was a smart. Yeah. Where's Kirby Smart? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the biggest ripple effect of the 21st century in college and pro football. Yes. Just one decision by a team doctor in Miami. So to finish (laughs) up, to finish up, we're going to go over what really happened. So we kind of gave you the hypothetical what happens if Drew Brees signs with the Dolphins. Uh, completely changes the picture. We think the Dolphins stay relevant. The Patriots don't become a dynasty. Alabama's never a dynasty. Um, the Patriots are a dynasty in the 2000s, but not the 2010s, right? Um, but what actually happened? Resigns with the Saints, right? The Saints win the Super Bowl in 2009. They went to three championship games, 06, 09, and 18. They had eight playoff seasons, over 68,000 passing yards. Oh, my God. 571. That's He had like 80,000 for his career. 68,000 came just with the Saints. In 15 years. Yeah. That's 4,500 a season. He put up amazing stats consistently every single year. Uh, He broke the single-season yards record in 2011. Stayed healthy pretty much the entire time. I think the, what was it? The 19th season was the only year he had health issues. See, he hurt his finger in 2019. Bridgewater started some games. Um, So before Breeze arrived, New Orleans had one playoff win in franchise history. We talked about the 2000 wildcard. He alone has nine playoff wins just for the Saints. And none since. And they haven't won since. So Drew Brees owns every single playoff win at the quarterback position. Sean Payton can claim the same thing. He is undisputedly the best player in franchise history for the New Orleans Saints. All by chance. The Dolphins in 2006. Saban, you know, he ends up leaving right after that season. He tells local media, uh, you know, he repeatedly tells them that he's not leaving. He's not leaving. And it would question his character on why he would leave. And it's just BS. And like, I think it's understandable why he left. I, I felt like he couldn't win and he wanted to leave. I think that's yeah. completely fair. But a lot of local media, uh, they don't like how he handled it. Um, so Jim Mandich, uh, you know, famous dolphin, famous Michigan Wolverine, Michigan actually. tight end. Yeah. Um, uh, He's quotes saying he is the biggest piece of turd to ever hit Miami. <laughs> there's a lot of turds that have hit Miami. By the way. Um, there's some not so great people that have gone through that city. Um, 
if Nick Saban, and this is a quote again, if Nick Saban walked through that door, I'd say, let's go. Biggest two-bit phony I've ever met in my life, period. <laughs> Not a fan. Uh, what a way and, with words. And God rest his soul, because he passed yeah. away, I think, in like 2010. Yeah. Um, he was known as the Nick Tater to a lot of local reporters and national reporters. I don't think NFL people liked it, like the media people liked him very much because he was just so sour. He was definitely more of a fit for the college game in terms of how he handled himself. But he was very Belichick-like in terms of he didn't like giving access to anybody. He just was more of a dick about it than Belichick. Belichick just didn't say anything. Nick was just mean about it. I don't think he liked handling professional athletes. I think he liked the control he got from the college game. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about how Saban felt the Drew Brees situation really changed his attitude towards pro football because, you know, in college football, you can take a risk on a player with a bad shoulder. Yeah. At least at that you time you could. Yeah. Medically red shirt. Yeah. Cause you know, now with NIL, it's different because you are paying these guys, but you know, in 06, you know, in in 2006, when Miami was looking to upgrade quarterback, they had to pay for it. And you have to tell mm-hmm. the NFL, you have to tell this owner, like, I'm going to guarantee this guy a certain amount of money, but I can't guarantee that his shoulder is healthy enough to last through the contract. That's a tough thing to sell to somebody that has made it their life to become unbelievably wealthy. That's just yeah. a hard thing to sell. So I think in college, you can just take that risk. The worst thing you lost is a scholarship. Like it's not the same type of risk. So I think that's where he saw the disconnect. And I think he found that Alabama in college fit him better. Um, Alabama, like we mentioned, becomes a dynasty. They become the biggest NFL pipeline for talent over the last 15 years. A half dozen, I think, national championships Dolphins end up being horrible in 07. You know, they hire Parcells and Sperano to fix it in 08. That's a short-term thing. They're pretty much irrelevant up until really this day. Yeah. Uh, They've made a little bit of noise with Mike McDaniel, but they still have not been to – they haven't even won a playoff game. I think they they haven't haven't won a – they haven't won a playoff game since 2000. They have the longest drought without a playoff win right now. Yeah, their last divisional game – was 1999 where they lost to the Jacks and Jimmy Johnson was the head coach. Or no, two, 2000 or 2000. You're right. Yeah. They lost to the Raiders. Yeah. So it was with uh Jay Fiedler and um, yeah. Uh, so Dave wants that, that tells you it's been 23 years. Um, and you know, and then like we said, the Patriots win three Super Bowls over those next 12 seasons. The, who knows what happens you know, the AFC just completely was dominated by Peyton Manning teams, Pittsburgh, and New England, and really New England for the most part. Yeah. Um, so this scenario completely flips the script from 2006 to the present day. And I'd argue it is the defining moment in college from pro football over the next two decades. Thanks for listening to the Old Souls Football Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe.